Welcome in to Ohio versus the world brought to you by Buckeye Sports Talk and Cleveland Sports Talk, an exclusive Ohio sports podcast where I discuss primarily the Ohio State Buckeyes, as well as some discussion on the Browns, Cavaliers, Indians, Blue Jackets, and crew. I'm your host, Jacob Wilson, and joined today by my good friend, Clayton. He works with me at Buckeye Sports Talk. Clayton, how you doing? Man? Hi, Jake. I'm doing good. How are you? Good, man. Good. Uh, the audio quality of this thing isn't great, which is frustrating me, but hopefully it all works out here. Yeah, hopefully all sounds good. Thank you for having me on, and I'm looking forward to talking about some Ohio State football. Yeah, man. This is a special, special episode we have here today. Episode I've been wanting to do ever since everything was pretty official within the last few weeks, but uh been kind of taking a break from the pod for a minute just to settle into uh, school and stuff like that, and it's a it was a good time to take a break from the podcast. The Ohio State football season ended, and that's by far the biggest thing I cover on this podcast. So it made sense to take a you know a good three weeks off or so after the season ended there in the Rose Bowl. There was some big news I had to cover, like Justin Fields transferring in and the coaching staff changes and all that. So, But now that we've got everything, we've got the 10 official assistant coaches. We have Ryan Day as the official head coach. And now we pretty much have all of the roster for next year lined up. Feels like a good time to get this going and talk about the roster for next year and the coaching staff for the 2019 season. Yeah, definitely. It seems like finally things are selling around the Ohio State football program after an absolutely crazy January. This is good to kind of settle back and look at all what uh, when the dust has settled. Yeah, I mean, it was a crazy few, crazy really month there. Right around the beginning of December, you got Urban Meyer retiring, then Ryan Day taking over, and then you had the uh, early signing period where a lot of big names came in, like Zach Harrison, Garrett Wilson, and a few others. And then you had the Rose Bowl, and you had Justin Fields coming in, Tate Martell transferring out, which is actually something I haven't covered on this podcast yet, and a lot of other stuff. So it was a crazy month, but for the most part, like you said, the dust has settled and everything really is put into place, and we have pretty much the entire roster for next season. There might be a few people that sign in this February signing period, what is technically the actual signing period. But for the most part, we know what's, you know, what the roster and what the coaching staff is going to look like next year. Yeah. Hopefully some offensive linemen sign or possibly transfer in, but for the most part, the, uh, the roster is pretty set. All right. So let's just jump into, you know, by far the most important position in football and that would be quarterback. So we'll talk about, uh, you know, pretty much just the quarterback position, who we think the starter will be, you know, maybe talk about Justin Fields and if we think he's going to get waived and then just talk about the depth at the QB position too. So I guess we'll just start off with the obvious questions when it comes to quarterback. I think we know if Justin Fields gets waived, he's going to be the starting quarterback. There's just not that much quality behind Justin Fields, although Matthew Baldwin's pretty solid. But if, I mean, what are you thinking about Justin Fields getting waived? How confident are you that he will? Get um, I'm very confident. I haven't heard anything yet that says he won't. His lawyer is very confident. He's very confident. Um, I don't think Ohio State would be in the situation they are right now. If they weren't very confident, I think they'd be even pushing for another quarterback even more than they are. Um, so I think everyone around the program is pretty confident. And I agree if and when he gets um, allowed to play next season, I don't see any way that he's not the starting quarterback. Yeah, I definitely think that Ohio State is pretty confident. I like the point you made about um, they're not really, like, pushing to get a grad transfer QB in, and that does say a lot about how confident it feels like they are that uh, they're going to, you know, get Justin Fields to be waived. And, I mean, there's really no reason he shouldn't get waived. With everything that's happening, um, with all the racial slurs and stuff, that's just not really a good look for the NCAA exactly. to fight to fight the waiver. Yeah, I heard you made that point on the last last 
podcast and definitely the NCA already doesn't have the best look and to tell a player that he can't play after a racial incident like that would just be a terrible look. Yeah, it's not a look that the NCAA wants, I would assume. And I mean, according to other lawyers, it wasn't just that one incident on the field when he was on the sideline. There's been other incidents. Yeah, I heard um, that as well. Especially if you, yeah, especially if you add on that. And then um, you just think about like some of the QBs that, or some of the players in general that have been waived. You had Shea Patterson last year who probably had less of a case to be waived, and he was waived for Michigan. And now, I mean, Justin Fields has the same lawyer as Shea Patterson, probably has more of a reason to get waived. So, I just can't see any reason why Justin Fields wouldn't get waived. I would put it at like 99%. Yeah, I agree. I know he's no longer an Ohio State football player, but I think the Tate Martell case is an even more interesting case because if he, if he gets allowed to um, – if he gets waived, I think it opened the door for even more players to get immediate eligibility. Yeah, I mean, that's the interesting thing about Tate Martell um, – with his departure, if he does get waived just because his, you know, um, coach ends up leaving the program, Urban Meyer, then that really just opens up kind of a Pandora's box for any player to be able to get waived. Any player that loses their head coach could say, well, this is the head coach I committed under, and if he's not going to be at this program, then I want to go elsewhere. And once you have that, I mean, you pretty much just have a free agent market for college football. Exactly. How do you feel about that? Um. In terms of college football, I think it makes sense. I do feel a little bad telling players that they can't play right away after the coach leaves because it is a big deal. He did commit to Urban Meyer. So I understand the point. But I also see the point is where you don't want players just leaving every time a coach leaves because then it just kind of creates chaos in college football. So I think Tate Martell should have to sit out a year even though I don't feel good saying that because I do understand how that can affect um, where you do want to play college football. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, it's an issue I kind of teeter back and forth on. I definitely do think that, you know, who you commit to coach wise is extremely important in the decision you make to what school you're going to. I do think that Tim Martell definitely did, you know, have a, does have a case. I do think that, Urban Meyer, I mean, was a big reason that he came to Ohio State. Urban Meyer loves to run an offense the way Tate Martell runs an offense. So I think it's interesting. I mean, but yeah, I mean, a lot of these people, some of these players do know where they want to go to college when they're really young. They love Ohio State. They love Michigan. They love Florida. They love Texas. They want to go to that school forever. And then there's a lot of players who probably maybe even the majority of players, they really make a lot of their decision on who the coach is. So I definitely do think they have a decent case for if that coach leaves that they committed to and that they love, then they have a decent case to, you know, transfer somewhere else. And especially important to remember that at the end of the day, most of these players, when they come to college football with one main goal, and that's to get to the NFL. And I think Tate Martell, it's fair to realize that the opportunity to do that at Ohio State's over and he should get that chance elsewhere. Um, so I think that's always an important case to remember also. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you, but on the, uh, just the talking point of Tate Martell, like I said earlier in the podcast, I never have, you know, talked about the whole Tate Martell situation. I didn't feel like it was a big enough thing for an emergency podcast. And I was trying to take that three week or so break off from this podcast. So I didn't feel like that was enough to break my hiatus from the podcast, Tate Martell transferring. But since we're here, let's talk a little bit about it. He does transfer 
Um, he ends up going to Miami University. And the biggest thing for me was really what he said. I want to say it was like January or December 30th or 31st or somewhere in there. He was talking to Doug Lesmaurice, a very popular uh, beat writer for Ohio State football. And he pretty much just told him, you know, I mean, it, this is his job. He's going to be the starter next year. He's a Buckeye forever. And then immediately, two days after Justin Fields trans- transfers in, he transfers away to Miami. So, I mean, how do you feel about that? I really thought it was odd, to be honest. Um, I think it makes, like I said, it makes sense why he's transferring, but it doesn't make sense to me why you would say that and then change your mind so soon after. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of the thing for me, too. I really don't mind him transferring at all. I think he has every right to transfer. And if, I mean, to be perfectly honest, if I was in his situation as well, I would transfer too. Justin Fields is going to be an amazing quarterback. And Justin Fields probably is a pretty good amount better than Tate Martell. But you can't really say what you say. And then two days after Justin Fields transfers in, leave. Exactly. I just don't think, in my personal opinion, I don't think it's a great look. I think if you're going to say that stuff, um, back it up, which he didn't do. But at the end of the day, I wish him the best of luck at Miami. I hope he succeeds, and I hope um, he doesn't repeat doesn't repeat what he did. Yeah, yeah, I think Miami is a good fit for him, and I think he'll have a good amount of success there. But yeah, I wish him all the luck, the best of luck. But uh, sticking with quarterbacks here just a little bit longer. Obviously, this will be the thing we talk most about because it's by far the most important position. But Justin Fields, like we said, if he gets waived, then he will be the starter. But if somehow he doesn't get waived or nobody gets injured in the offseason, Matthew Baldwin is, you know, dire situation having to be the Ohio State starting quarterback. Yeah, um, I know we mentioned earlier that Ohio State isn't pressing too hard for a transfer quarterback, but – I think either way, they should definitely look into getting one because Ohio State fans know better than anybody the importance of QB depth after it happened mm-hmm. in 2014. So I think definitely Ohio State should look into getting a fourth quarterback, especially with Chris Chuganov. I don't, we don't really know how reliable he is if he has to step in and be a backup quarterback. Um, so I know Ohio State is possibly looking to a Texas A&M quarterback possibly transferring in. And so it'll be interesting to see what they do on that front. Yeah, I'm very interested in it. Um, Obviously we hope that Justin Fields starts every single game and there's no injury problems and there's no problems with him getting waived. But I do think if the dire situation does happen where Matthew Baldwin has to come into a game that matters or a situation that matters, I do think he is still a very solid quarterback. He's a Ryan Day guy too. Ryan Day went down to Texas where he played high school football, I believe. At the same high school as Baker Mayfield, he went down there and personally hand-plucked Matthew Baldwin, took him away from Colorado State because he really likes him. He's a pro-style QB, and, I mean, he, I think he would still be – it's still a decent backup quarterback. Oh, yeah, I think Matthew Baldwin – I think eventually he will get his time at Ohio State, but I feel a lot more com- confident with Justin Fields getting waived and starting next season. Yeah, definitely. So moving on, we'll talk about the uh, – running back situation this uh, coming year, 2019. Obviously, Mike Weber is gone, so most of the load is going to go to J.K. Dobbins. How are you feeling about J.K. Dobbins being the starting running back next year? Um, I feel very good about it. I mean, watching Dobbins the past two years has been a pleasure. seemed like he took a little bit of a step back last season after just being brilliant his freshman season. 
But I definitely think it's an interesting situation for Ohio State because we haven't had an experience like this since 2015 where we had one workhorse running back. So I think it's interesting to see how much they do mix in uh, Master Teague or Demario McCall to balance J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, it, it is interesting. I like what you said. We're kind of used to having two running backs here for the last you know few years since Zeke Elliott for the most part. And J.K. Dobbins, I mean, he he's never known what it's like to just be the clear-cut number one running back for the Ohio State University. He's used to sharing carries with Mike Weber, about 60-40 J.K. Dobbins, but he's going to get a lot of reps this year. He's going to get 80%, 90% of the reps probably and probably 90% of the carries. So it'll be interesting to see how he can do with you know that workload, how fatigued he'll get. But overall, I feel great with J.K. Dobbins at the running back position. He's been solid these last two years. I think a lot of what happened last year with him struggling was more just he could never really find a rhythm, you know, trying to share, share carries with Mike Weber. But I think by himself this year, he could be a breakout star, not really for Ohio State, but maybe even college football in general. He could be a guy people are talking about, you know, as one of the best running backs in the country, especially with him getting 80, 90 percent of the carries this year for Ohio State. Yeah, definitely. Another thing to remember is kind of going back to what you said with now being able to get a rhythm. Remember against Indiana his freshman season, first ever game when he was pretty much the lone running back out there and how brilliant he was in the first game of that season and the first couple of games while Mike Webb was working back from injury. And also, um, he was really great with JT Barrett, kind of with two running threats. And with Justin Fields as a quarterback now, who can also run the ball better than Dwayne Haskins, defenses are going to have to um, look after that. So I think that could open up more holes for Dobbins as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, J.K. Dobbins, I believe that Indiana game really was the only game in his career where he's pretty much been the lone running back, had most of the carries. And like you said, that was his breakout game. He had an amazing game that day. So it will be interesting to see him as kind of the workhorse this year for Ohio State and by far the number one running back. But backup wise, he touched on it. Master Teague and Demario McCall are pretty much the main two backups. Demario McCall has that game changing speed. Um, he's a really solid player. I don't know a ton about Master Teague. He didn't get many carries this year besides the two-lane and uh, Rutgers games, but I've heard he's really solid. So I think we've got some pretty good depth there. Oh, yeah. I'm not worried about the running back position at all. I'm interested to see how they use McCall in the passing game because we kind of saw that against Michigan. Um, he cut that big wheel route out of the backfield. Yeah. Yeah, um, talking about you know wide receivers, I say we jump to wide receivers next. Um, we can put Demario McCall in this category too if we want to. But for the most part, um, you've got KJ Hill coming back, and that's going to be massive. And then you have Austin Mack and Ben Victor. So those will be your three guys for the most part that have a lot of experience at the wide receiver position. Expect those to be maybe the three guys with the most touches, although I would not be surprised at all if a player like Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson got more touches than a player like Austin Mack or Ben Victor. But this wide receiver position, you know, there was a lot of talk about all the receivers that left this lot, this offseason, Terry McLaurin, Johnny Dixon, Paris Campbell, and it kind of felt like, what are we going to do at wide receiver in 2019? But really, you still have really very five solid wide receivers here in Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Austin Mack, Ben Victor, and uh, K.J. Hill. Yeah, I think a major change we'll see at the wide receiver position. I mean, those three seniors losing them is huge, and really, those are pretty much our three fastest receivers. So I think we might see a different look out of the receiver position. Um, not more receivers, like possession receivers. We need to focus on route running and size 
um, to succeed. But this is our second season under Brian Hartline, who has been excellent. And Chris Olave, like you touched on him earlier, really started to break out in the last season. I think he can really be a star next season, given the uh, reps. Yeah. I mean, I kind of wrote down here how much, you know, how do we think Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson will do this year? I don't know about Garrett Wilson, but I am very interested in Chris Olave. I mean, I think there's a chance that he could end up being a breakout star to the point where he's maybe even like the number one or number two wide receiver this year. Oh, I definitely agree. And a couple other names to look out for um, Jalen Harris. He's a junior this year. He's kind of been stuck on the depth chart, but this is a big guy, pretty athletic kind of came in as a raw prospect, but it's someone who I think, you know, has the athletic tools to be, especially in the red zone, a real threat. And another guy who's kind of been stuck in the depth chart, former walk-on, CJ Saunders, Sanders, I think we could uh, be looking at more reps for him this season also. Yeah, there's a few, you know, backup. There really is a lot of depth of this position, kind of like there is at every position at Ohio State. But, yeah, like you said, Jalen Harris is very solid. Jalen Gill and C.J. Saunders are all very good backups, and they'll definitely get some time this year. And you kind of touched on McCall earlier. It will be interesting to see if they use him at wide receiver at all. They did use him in that wheel route, like you said, in the Michigan game, so – Interested in a lot of things at the wide receiver position, but by far I'm personally most interested to see what Chris Olave does this year. I definitely am. Like you said, Garrett Wilson's too. I think he could maybe be a Chris Olave, start on special teams, but uh, work more reps as the season goes along. Yeah, definitely. So now we'll touch on one, you know, one position that we don't need to talk too long, talk about for too long. Um, That's the tight end position. Most likely the starter here will be Luke Farrell. Um, just like it was last year. Um, I don't really have a ton to end, a ton to add to the tight end position. It's not really a position that Ohio State uses that much. Yeah, exactly. I don't think we're going to get too much of a different look. No one's leaving. No significant recruits coming in the tight end um, group. I think the one change we might see is more reps for Jimmy Rooker, especially maybe on a third down, because he's probably the most Mm -hmm. athletic, best pass catcher of the three. But like you said, not much news here. Same, Same big three at tight end. It should be a pretty similar look. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. There's really not much to talk about tight end. It's, it's the same, you know, depth chart for the most. We don't really. Other tight ends too much, but we'll talk a little bit about the offensive line here. Um, I don't know a ton about the offensive line. I don't consider myself an offensive line expert. But I do know that this offense be a little bit dire because, I mean, the, I think there's a lot on this offensive line, but I do think that the depth is not there. So if you get an injury or two on this offensive line, things could go bad really quickly. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm personally really confident in the starting five that I think Ohio State will put out next season. But depth is definitely an issue. Cause when we look at the second team and – um, any more than maybe one or two injuries, we're really looking at putting true freshmen out there, which in college football is a dangerous thing to do at offensive linemen. So depth is easily an issue. Hopefully we can keep Doug Nestor in the recruiting class, maybe add one. Um, I forget his name, but there's a grad transfer from Rutgers that I know is heavily considering Ohio State, visited the other day, and um, was like a um, – um, honorable mention in the all Big Ten team last year, so he would be a big addition as well. But depth is easily the biggest issue on the offensive line. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I think the starting five for the offensive line next year is going to be very, very solid. But I do think that if one of those guys gets hurt or maybe two guys get hurt, it could become a very dire situation. But, yeah, I mean, most likely you're looking at – I don't know if you agree with me on this, but maybe Munford at left tackle, Brandon Bowen left guard. Um, I think you either got Josh Myers, although I wouldn't be surprised if Harry Miller found his way as the starting center next year. I mean, a five-star recruit, the number one. I think he might be the number one center in the nation. I can't remember. Either one or two. And you've got Wyatt. One or two, yeah. Then you've got Wyatt Davis as the right guard who came in the Michigan game. He played really well in that, and he played well in the uh, Rose Bowl. And then I think you could probably see Petit Frere start at right tackle next year. I think right tackle is – I agree with the other starting four you had, but I think right tackle could be the most interesting position battle of the offensive line. Because I was a top ten player in, the, in last year's recruiting class. But you also got Jeshu Alibi, who has been the, uh, in the program for four years now. And he started the Rose Bowl left tackle for Munford, and he played really well. So I think that's going to be a really interesting battle because you got experience in Alibi, who started a game, played well. We also got this uh, huge potential in Petit Frere. Yeah, yeah, I think you've got a lot of potential in Frere. And Alibi, like you said, there's also Max uh, Ray there, who's pretty solid. It'll be interesting. Like like we said, kind of the major takeaway, at least for me, for this uh, offensive line is you have a lot, a lot of good players. I mean, you think of the players like Petit Frere. You think of Brandon Bowen. You think of uh, Harry Miller. Those are, I mean, all very, very highly recruited guys. So this offensive line has a lot, a lot of potential next year, in my opinion. Oh, I completely agree. Yeah, and it could be a lot of fun with J.K. Dobbins running up the middle through those guys and Justin Fields being a running quarterback at times, too, and having protection to throw as well. I mean, this offense could be really next year with these. I mean, the running back is going to be solid. If Justin Fields gets waived, he's going to be amazing, in my opinion. Like we talked about, the wide receivers, although a few left, you actually still got a really solid core next year. And then the offensive line could very well be very good next year, too. Yeah, they're going to be young, but the potential and talents there is incredible. Yeah. All right, so let's fly a little bit more. Um. Obviously, you know, people care more about offense. That's how football is. But still definitely dive in a little bit here to the defense. So we'll start with the defensive end. I think for sure on the one starter that is Chase Young, no matter what. Um, and then you're going to be interested. Got a lot of good guys. Tyrus Smith. Um, I'm curious to see who's for the defensive end. I'm sorry, you're, you're starting to cut out a little bit. Uh, we're just talking about how interested this starter on the defensive end. We've got Chase Young for sure is going to be one of the starters, but who could be the other between Tyreek Smith or even Tyler Friday? Oh, yeah. Of course, I think no matter what, we're still going to see some of the rotation that we're used to with Larry Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Jonathan Cooper will probably stick as a starting role. He's a senior, played pretty well in the absence of Nick Bosa last season. But um, I think Tyreek Smith definitely is going to see a much increased role. I think he's going to get a lot of snaps. I thought he was pretty impressive coming in on third downs last season. Tyler Friday showed some potential. I think Harrison's definitely kind of a wild card here. We're really curious what he's going to see. You know, huge recruit, huge talent um, to see where he fits in. But it's, it's, I think it'll be a little hard for him to see the field his first season, especially earlier in the season because it's so stacked. But I think it'd be really interesting to see how they mix them in. Yeah, yeah. 
Lave, Garrett Wilson, Zach Harrison is another true freshman coming in right away who I'm extremely interested to see what he does. I think he definitely has the raw potential to be a guy that this season, especially in some of the, you know, Rutgers type games where you're playing lesser competition. But yeah, it'll be interesting. But for the most part, like you said, I think your two probably are Chase Young and Tyreek Smith. But like you said, too, you're going to see a lot of rotation as always, like you do with Larry Johnson as the defensive uh, defensive ends coach or defensive line coach. Yeah, which is always a great tool to have, especially in that fourth quarter when most defensive lines were out. Ohio State's always still fresh and strong. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So talking about the uh, defensive tackles here, it'll be interesting to see who starts here. Obviously, we've got B.B. Landers, who is going to start. Um, then you've got some solid depth. you got Davon Hamilton, um, Haskell Garrett, and Tommy Togiai. This will be another spot, another spot where there's a good amount of rotation. B.B. Uh, Landers will probably be the headliner, though. Oh, yeah. I think this is going to probably be more rotation than the defensive ends because I think Chase Young will probably play the most snaps out of everybody. But I think you still have a lot of rotation between Landers and Hamilton, Garrett and Togiai, and then Teron Vincent, Antoine Jackson, too, will probably get in some games, get some snaps. So I think defensive tackle, you're probably going to see a lot of, lot of rotation with, like you said, B.B. Landers getting the bulk of the reps. But I think you'll probably see more rotation here at the defensive end. Yeah. So how are you feeling about the defensive line as a whole next year? I mean, there's no real huge names besides Chase Young. B.B. Landers is very solid, and we're definitely going to see a lot of rotation. But how do you think this defensive line is going to do next year, stopping the run and getting to the quarterback? Well, I feel great about it personally. Um, pretty much from all last season, we're only losing Draymond Jones. We're losing Nick Buzz as well, but this team's used to playing without him already. So pretty much seeing a whole defensive line of returnees plus uh, Zach Harrison. Plus um, now you got Greg Madison, who's a lot of experience at D-line, Larry Johnson. Um, I think this defensive line is going to be excellent. It's going to be fresh. It's going to be strong. And I think it, once again, as it is almost every season, be one of the strengths of the Ohio State team. Yeah, let's talk about a position that has always been very, very well known, has always been one of the best positions in Ohio State football history, and that's the linebacker core. I know this was something you wanted to talk a good amount about. Um, I'm very interested, like you are, in the linebackers next year. I think Malik Harrison is the one guy that for sure has to be one of the starters next year. But then you have a lot of other names. You have Browning, Mitchell, Borland, Warner, Jones, and even uh, Dallas Gantz. So I'm interested in how you feel about who's going to be starting next year and you know who's going to be maybe playing backup next year. Yeah, I think the linebacking crew is definitely going to be the most interesting to watch throughout the offseason because this is the position group that's been the most criticized, rightfully, the past two seasons under um, Bill. Um, so I'm going to just see with the new position coach now, there's going to be a lot of open battles. Like you said, Millie Harrison is definitely going to be a starter. Um, and look at middle linebacker. I think it's going to be a three-way battle between Tough Borland, Mitchell, and Baron Browning. I think it's going to be an interesting battle because, you know, Borland's got the experience. But, you know, look at Washington and his linebacking crews at Michigan with um, Devin Bush up the middle. He's a big athletic linebacker. Kind of reminds you of uh, Baron Browning more. Mitchell might be the best true middle linebacker out of the group. So, to be honest, in terms of middle linebacker, I really have no clue who's going to start. I can see cases for all three. And opposite of Harrison, the outside linebacker, I think we're going to have another four-way battle possibly between Dallas Gant, Pete Warner, Baron Browning, and Justin Hillard. All 
highly talented guys, former five-star recruits. And once again, here is what makes it so interesting is I really have no clue who to look to be starting here next season. Yeah, that's definitely what makes it very interesting. I mean, you've got a lot of guys who are similar talent here, similar quality. You've also got a lot of younger guys coming in who possibly are more talented than the older guys. So, you know, will Ryan Day be ruthless at times and let, you know, players with more talent take over through, you know, ahead of seniority, um, which is something I think we'll definitely see him do personally. But, yeah, I mean, like you said, like I said, Malik Harrison, I think is really your only guy that is a for sure starter next year. We saw what he did in that Michigan game. That solidified his spot in a way. And then you've got a lot of other good players here um, that are all going to be competing for starting roles with Browning, Mitchell, Borland, Hilliard, Warner, Jones, and Gantz. So it's going to be a lot of fun. If you had to predict right now, who would you predict to be the other two starting linebackers? Um, I would probably take Browning. I think he played pretty well this year. And then, uh, I mean – Probably Mitchell, honestly, if I had to. You know, I was actually going to say the exact two. I think Tough Borland will still get plenty of reps. I don't think he's going to disappear from the defense. But I think mm-hmm. Mitchell will start at middle linebacker. And, yeah, I like Baron Browning. His athleticism, I think, is going to be too much to keep off the field to see us in the outside linebacker. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think those are probably your three, but I wouldn't be surprised if Borland or Warner found a spot in there. You're definitely going to see a lot of rotation at linebacker too, similar to, to the line. Definitely. All right, so let's talk about two uh, two positions here that I think are going to be much improved in the 2019 season, and that is the uh, cornerbacks here and then the safeties. Um, at cornerback, you're probably going to have Jeffrey Okuda starting after what we saw him do towards the end of the season. Um, I think you're going to have Sean Wade starting. He's been pretty solid. And then Damon Arnett is a guy that's coming back. I think he could definitely be a starter. Um, and then you're looking at some backups like Tyreek Johnson, Seven Banks, and then I think it's safety. I mean, Jordan Fuller is coming back. I think you've got to put him in there. And then you've got some other players that could definitely get some starting time, like Brennan White, Josh Proctor, and Isaiah Pryor. Yeah. Um, well, I look at it, I think the starting lineup for the secondary should be pretty set. I think you definitely got to be comfortable with Okuda and Arnett coming back as starters, Wade. Kind of played more of a slot corner last season. Might get some more time outside. I don't think either either of those guys are going away. And then Fuller and Brendan White, like you said, probably be the first chance start at safeties after how they finished the end of last season. But once again, I'm kind of interested in how they rotate um, here because under Urban Meyer, they always um, rotated three cornerbacks. Um, We'll see how they rotate cornerbacks this season. And at safety – you know, kind of wondering how much time like a Josh Proctor and Isaiah Prayer will play this season. Yeah, I mean, so do you think that you got Jordan Fuller and Brendan White as your starting two at safety? Oh, definitely. Especially just how they finished last season. Fuller's the most consistent safety on the team, and Brendan White really came in, was a difference maker, and finally kind of settled down that second safety position last season. Yeah, it's interesting because the article I'm reading here, you know, I'm kind of going off one of these articles online just to, you know, get a look at everything. And one of the only things I really disagree with this article is they have Jordan Fuller and Josh Proctor as the starters and then backups, uh, White, Pryor, uh, Reap, and Went. So I was surprised to see that. And I was surprised to see that too because I thought Brandon White was very good at the end of the season, really came in. And that Nebraska game played great, Michigan State. I don't think anyone really played well against Maryland, but against Michigan, Northwestern, and Washington, but White was the difference maker in the secondary. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm trying to read here what he's got. It basically says that he thinks Proctor was a four-star prospect in the 2018 class. He, you know, kind of just – he had a little bit of time last year, but for the most part he was – uh you know, just for the most part, he was kind of just chilling out, getting better, learning under people. But he says he thinks he's going to be a, break, a breakout star this year. So, I mean, if he ends up starting and, you know, it's for good reason, then good for him. And that's good for Ohio State fans. Oh, yeah. I mean, I want the two best safeties out there. I'll be yep. surprised if it's not White and Fuller. But if Parker's one of the best two, then put him on the field. And do you know what's going on with Marcus Hooker? I mean, is he still on the team? Or uh, I, haven't, I haven't heard anything where he's not on the team. What have you been hearing about Marcus Hooker? I was just wondering because this article didn't have him. Um, obviously, he was – I mean, what was he suspended for at the beginning of the year? I forget. I forget, too. It wasn't for very long, though, right? Yeah, I think it was just a few games. I think it might have been, like, drunk driving or yeah, something. Yeah, it was drunk but... driving, I believe, now that you say that. I was just trying to, because this didn't even have him on like the backups, you know, under the backup page. Huh. I was wondering. Obviously, his brother was so good, so I just didn't know. Oh yeah, Malik Cooker was oh my favorite Ohio State players ever to watch, but um, I haven't heard anything where Marcus Hooker's not in the team. Maybe he only listed a certain amount of the depth, so hopefully that was just the case. Yeah. All right. So moving on to uh, special teams here. Nothing really to talk about. You've got Drew Chrisman as your punter still. Um, you've got probably a new kicker here in Habil. We saw him play the last few games of the season, though. Um, you've got your long snapper, Liam McCullough. Uh, kick returner this year has Demario McCall. Obviously, we can talk about that. I think it probably will be him. And then punt returner has Jalen Gill, although I, I personally think it'll probably be McCall doing that, too. So what do you think there? Uh, I pretty much agree with everything you said, that kicker and punter, pretty all said. I think McCall – besides of one muffed kick, was a great kick returner. It was really had that huge play in the Maryland game. And at punt returner, I could see McCall or Gill, both electrifying players. I guess whoever they feel is a more sure-handed player will probably get the punt returner job. Yeah, so overall, how are you feeling about this Ohio State team next year? Oh, I feel great, especially on offense. There's no worries there. My one concern on defense is just pretty much the linebacker crew just because that's probably been the group that struggled the most of the past few years, the most unproven group. But overall, I mean, with the way this team recruits, um, just the amount of talent on this team is incredible. And I think if it all comes together, Ohio State can be really special next year. Yeah, I think this team uh, really has a lot of potential next year. I think there's a lot of people – in the national media and even here in Columbus that are maybe sleeping on this team a little bit, if that's the right word, but this team is going to be a lot better than I think people think you've got Justin Fields at the quarterback position, who I think is an extremely, extremely talented guy. There's a reason Tate Martell uh, ran off to Miami after two days, of Justin Fields being here. He knows how talented he is. Uh, JK Dobbins, I think as the number one running back, and he's going to be getting a lot of reps. I think he's going to get that rhythm going. Like we talked about, and you've got the wide receiver core, which is one of the spots where probably the most people left by far the most depth. But I think you're bringing it right back with guys like Olave and Wilson, younger guys. So I don't think there's too much to worry about there. Olave, Wilson, KJ Hill, Austin Mack, Ben Victor. I think you're still going to be really solid there. We talked about the offensive line. Um, I think it's one of the most talented positions we have in terms of, you know, five-star players and recruiting talent. If you just look at um, you know, the stars these guys have from recruiting. A lot of them are un- maybe not unproven, but less proven guys. But 
I think if they figure it out and they figure it out this offseason, that could be an extremely talented position. Then you look at the defense. Um, I don't think the defensive end will be – the defensive line will be that much different than it was last year. You've got a lot of similar players uh, coming back. Chase Young's obviously going to lead the line. He's going to be the best player on that defensive line. But I think that's going to be still a very solid position. And then I think you're making a huge leap in talent in the cornerback and safety position. I think you now have better coaches there and better defensive coaches in general. I think with guys like Jeffrey Okuda and Brennan White stepping up this year, being younger guys who are going to be great. Josh Proctor's still there. He's a young guy. I think this these safeties and cornerbacks are going to be a lot better than they were last year. And I think the linebacker, like you said, position is going to be more of the questions this year. But I still think you have a lot of good players like Malik Harrison um, and a few others that are going to be really solid this year. And then uh, you don't have to worry about special teams, really. So overall, I think this is a team is going to be a lot better than people might think it is right now. Do you predict another Big Ten championship for Ohio State next season? Um, I think that as long as Justin Fields stays healthy and as long as he gets waived, I think the Ohio State will win the Big Ten. Although I think the, it's going to be tough for this team to win a national championship, not because they're not talented. I think they're even a more talented team than they were last year, honestly. But, I mean, Clemson, if you look at their team, and even Alabama too, most of both of those teams that were in the national championship are bringing most of their players back. Yeah, I think definitely Big Ten championships is definitely – still be completely in reach for Ohio State next season. I expect them to, but I agree with you. National championship, it's very possible. I think they can compete with Alabama and Clemson, but those are two very tough teams to beat. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, that guy was unreal in the national championship game. Kid's only like 19 years old, younger than me. So, I mean, he's only going to get better. He still has two more years. So it's going to be hard to knock off those teams. It's Just in general, it's going to be hard to knock off Clemson and Alabama in college football. They have been the dominant forces as well as Ohio State over the past five or six years and even more years than that for Alabama. So it's going to be a while to those guys are, you know, to these three teams really, including Ohio State, are going to be, you know, off out of the top 1% of teams. So, but yeah, I think Ohio State, uh, number one takeaway for me going to this 2019 season is that, yeah, they lost their starting QB. They lost their, you know, amazing coach, amazing recruiting coach. I think they're going to be just as good, if not better, next year. I agree. All right, so you want to sadly talk about basketball here for about five minutes? Yeah, let's talk about basketball. All right, so my last podcast was uh, January 7th, two days after – let me pull up basketball. Two days after they played um, Michigan State. You know, that was a game that I talked a little bit about. Nothing surprising there. Um, we expected to lose to Michigan State. They even had like a seven-point lead at one point in that game, I believe. And things were looking pretty solid for the basketball team. Yeah, they lost the game, but they played well against a good Michigan State team. They still had a really good record. And then things just started going downhill, man. They lost to Rutgers. Then they lost to Iowa. They lost to Maryland and not even that competitive of a game. Not Another not that competitive game against Purdue. And they surprisingly beat Nebraska in Nebraska. That was Nebraska's first Big Ten loss, I think. And then they got stomped really last night or two nights ago against Michigan. So they've lost four out of the last five here. I mean, what do you think's going on with the basketball team? Um, yeah, I first backing up a little bit, you know, Ohio State got off to a great start to this season. But I just think recently getting into Big Ten play, I think teams are starting to figure out that if you take Wesson out of the game, where Ohio State has nowhere else to look for for offense. And when you look at the Rutgers game, the Iowa game, Believe Maryland, Purdue, 
Um, you know, Wesson just got in foul trouble early, and Ohio State could not put the ball in the basket after that. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of a lot of reasons for what's happening. I think one of the main things that we do have to realize is this is kind of what we expected this team to be. Obviously, our expectations were raised after everything that happened in the non-Big Ten schedule and even a little bit of the Big Ten schedule. They did two, play two Big Ten opponents in Minnesota and uh, I think Illinois earlier in the year. But, yeah, I mean, I believe after all the dust settled and all those teams – that they played in the non-conference, played a good amount of their schedule, and ended up being like one of the 200th ranked non-conference schedules. So, it, I mean, in a way, it's not surprising that we did so well in the non-con because, yeah, we thought teams like Creighton and Cincinnati were a lot better than they were, but they ended up not being as good as we thought they were. And a lot of those other decent wins we thought we had, like Cleveland State and uh, like decent losses like Syracuse and a few others, ended up not being that good of wins. So I think our expectations were – you know, a little bit off because we thought some of these teams that are beating in the non-conference were better than they were. And the Big Ten is just so hard this year. And this was what we expected from this Ohio State team. We expected a step back year this year before they get these three uh, four-star recruits in next year. Um, so in a way, this is what we expected. Obviously not this bad. I said four out of their last five. They've actually lost six out of their last seven. Obviously, we didn't want it to be this bad, and we didn't think it was going to be this bad. But I do think in a way – um, this is kind of what you were, what we were expecting at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I definitely agree. I know my expectations exploded after losing one game in the non-conference. I think everyone's starting to realize. I'm starting to realize that this team's not as talented as we all thought they were, especially in this crazy talented Big Ten. But I do have to say, on a bright side for Ohio State basketball, if you look at their next six games, aside from playing mm-hmm. in East Lansing. Um, in mid-January, in mid-February, excuse me. Um, it looks like Ohio State very possibly can win five of its next six games. And hopefully, if they do that, get back on track to at least crack the NCAA tournament this season um, and keep some of that po- positive momentum, like you said, heading into the next season to where we're returning most of our key players and getting three very talented recruits. Yeah, I mean, this was a team that went from being like a three or four seed here at the beginning of January, and now it's the last day of January here today, and you're looking at a team that is not just on – they're not even really on the bubble anymore. They're like outside looking in on the tournament. But like you said, these next four games, they have four winnable games, and if you're Ohio State, you've really got to go out and win these four games against Rutgers, Penn State, Indiana, and Illinois. Oh, yeah, I think if they lose one of the next four games – Maybe they can get away with losing Indiana, but those three home games, they're must-win for Ohio State tournament hopes. Yeah, you're taking on a Rutgers team that, of course, they lost to, but they are at home, and that was more of just a fluke kind of upset. They should be able to beat them. Penn State, yes, they lost all three times to them last year, but Penn State's a little bit worse this year, and they're at home. Ohio State should be able to win that one. And then at home against Illinois, a team they beat on the road already this year, they should be able to win those three. And it would really help them if they could beat Indiana. So, like you said, if they go out and win four of the next four or even five out of their last six, they go from being a bubble team to back to being a you know a team that is pretty solidly in the tournament around an eight nine seed. So these next six games are super important. Oh yeah. And then after those six games, uh, we've got Ohio State, Maryland, um, Iowa, Purdue, Northwestern, and Wisconsin. So no world beaters there or anything. 
I mean, the rest of their schedule besides me and Michigan State are all games they can win and they're all games they can lose. So anything can really happen here at the uh, final stretch. Yeah, like I said, um, Ohio needs to win five of the next six and hopefully pull off an upset one or two. And I think we can definitely see Ohio State back in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And then, you know, if not, if things do go bad and they don't end up in the tournament or they do and they lose in, you know, game one, then all – you know, all the sites go to next season. This team could be really good next year. I think Ohio State next season is definitely going to be one of the best teams in the Big Ten, possibly the country, because I think we're finally going to start getting some offensive help for Wesson. I think Muhammad, Luther Muhammad, is going to be a future star in the Big Ten. I'm loving what I'm seeing out of him this season. He's great defensively, growing offensively. Plus, Dwayne Washington, I think, is only going to grow, too. Yeah, I think this team is going to have a really solid team next year. They're going to have some guys that are coming back for either their second or third years who will have that more of that veteran presence, but then you're going to have those three freshmen coming in are all going to be stars, and they're going to get minutes right away. Like you said, Luther Mojave next year, he's going to be just that much better. We saw what he did against Nebraska and what he's been doing all year. And then Dwayne Washington, that guy, I mean, he can really stroke a basketball. Um, and then you got a few other really good young players. Justin Aarons has been pretty solid this year. Um, I don't know if Andre Weston will be back next year. He um, should be as a junior this season. Okay. And then Caleb Weston, I'm just, I think, is gone. But uh, he He's a bad, sophomore, right? so he could still have two more years left. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it'll be interesting to see what he does. He's ended up not having a great year this year so far, so good chance he'll be back. Hopefully so. he'll be. Yeah, this could be a – Oh, sorry. No, no, you're fine. This could definitely be a really good team next year. Definitely agree. And hopefully we'll see him next all right. Fine. <laughs> Go ahead. I was just going to kind of finish up and say, you know, I'm not, not giving up the team yet this season. I think they could make the NCAA tournament, win maybe a game, maybe two. But definitely Ohio State's in a rebuilding stage and should be able to really be great next season. Yeah, definitely. No matter what, if you're one of those people out there calling for uh... – Chris Holtman's job or something like that, then you should probably take a look in the mirror. This team is not the most talented in the world. And like we said, many times they're going to be a lot better next year. Oh yeah. All right. Anything else you want to say just in general here? Um, not really. I think we touched on pretty much everything we want to talk about. And yeah, I don't have much things to say anymore. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, man. It was a yeah, lot thanks of for having me. Appreciate it.